Our scripture passage for this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 9. Let us listen to God's word. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call the nations that you do not know. And the nations that do not know you shall run to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our text this morning comes from the book of Isaiah. Now, as you may know, Isaiah was a prophet who lived in ancient Israel, and he was living in the time immediately before Babylon swept in and conquered Israel, hauling them away in chains. As a prophet, Isaiah was speaking to the people the words that God wanted them to hear. And when you look at this book, you could think of Isaiah as a meal with three courses. The first course is about chapters 1 to 39, and this course has the flavor of judgment. God's people have not been faithful, they have chased idols, they have oppressed the poor, they have not had faith, so God has judged them for their wrongdoing. The second course is around chapters 40 to 55, and the flavor here is one of hope and conviction. It's written for people who find themselves in exile. They find themselves in foreign lands, slaves to a hostile people, feeling abandoned by their God. But they have been sent with this book that tells them that God has not abandoned them. God is coming. God will come. And then, beginning in chapter 55 until the end, the book takes on this flavor of still waiting. These passages at the end are written to Israel after it has returned to Jerusalem. They have experienced God's salvation. They've been miraculously saved from the Babylonians and brought safely back to Israel. They made it to that day they had been waiting for. And they found themselves in the midst of a world where relationships continued to crumble, crops failed, dreams died, jobs were lost. After waiting generations to get home in the wake of this miraculous deliverance, Israel found itself still waiting. 
Our passage for this morning comes in the middle of the still waiting, the third course. But the third course has some really powerful hope in it. God is doing something that is even bigger than the waiting. Something is coming. What this feels like to me is that steady stream of articles that populate my Facebook feed. He stood up and everyone thought something would happen. You won't believe what happens next. Click here and you'll find out. She didn't think she stood a chance. What happens next will just bring tears to your eyes. Click here to see what happens next. What happens next is inevitably heartwarming and touching and powerful for a moment. It might even restore our hope in humanity. I wonder if we still really believe that something could happen. Something so powerful, so significant, that it changes the world Do we still believe that? Because that's what this passage in Isaiah is saying. Isaiah, speaking 500 years before the birth of Christ, is saying that God is going to do something revolutionary. He isn't sure what, but it's going to be something that changes the way the world works. So let's take a look at what Isaiah sees coming. First, he says, Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. The thing that God is doing begins with the recognition of our need. This prophecy is to those who are thirsty. It's to those who are hungry. This theme is going to keep running throughout Scripture. If you flip your Bible forward several hundred years to the book of Matthew, you hear Jesus using the same language. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What God is doing is directed toward those who are hungry for something. They want something. If you're content to hang out, if you like the way the world is, if you see the lonely, the forgotten, the orphans, the depressed, those in chronic pain and aren't really bothered, this good news might not matter to you. Because what God is doing is changing things. If you don't want change, if you don't think the world needs more of something or less of something, then you're probably not interested in this good news. So, what are you hungry for? When Jesus renews this promise 500 years later, it's a promise to those who are thirsty for righteousness. And righteousness is just a complicated word that means things being set right. The good news is about setting things right. The passage goes on to talk about the thirsty being able to drink water and the hungry being able to buy food. And this makes sense. This is God planning to set things right because God didn't create people to starve God's plan for humanity is for people to have enough food to eat, for everyone to have enough food. People are going to be able to come to the waters and drink. Those who have no money will be able to buy food and eat. God calls all of them out, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. But let's talk about that for a second. How can you buy without money. Why doesn't the passage say, come and ask for food and you'll get it for free? 
Why doesn't it say, if you're hungry or thirsty, come and grab what you want? It says, buy without price. And the word buy seems to be on purpose here. So why? I've never had this happen, but my husband has, so I know it's true. He was driving through a drive through in uh, McDonald's, getting a coffee to go, in a hurry, already late to work, but needing that caffeine boost to make it through the afternoon. The person in front of him seemed to be taking forever, and he was mumbling under his breath about he was taking forever, and he clearly had nothing better to do than to chit-chat with the cashier at McDonald's. He finally pulls up to the window, cash in hand, planning to tell the cashier just to keep the change. Then they hand him a coffee and tell him it's already been paid for. (laughs) He bought it without money. It was purchased without him paying because someone else paid. Someone else had paid for the coffee he bought. This passage from Isaiah is calling people to come and buy food without money. And the only way you can buy something without having any money is someone else is footing the bill. The question then is who paid the price? Isaiah doesn't answer because he only has this glimpse of what God is up to. He lays out this dilemma for us, but he doesn't give us a name. But we know. We know that God himself has paid the price. Christ has already paid the price so that we can enjoy the abundance of wine and milk, so we can eat and drink of life. Christ has already paid the price. This is what Christians call being saved. Christ came to earth and paid the price for our sins so that we can spend eternity with God in heaven. But this isn't Jesus already paying for whatever you want. The proof of that is in what comes next. Jesus doesn't pay the price for whatever you want or for you to live however you want. If you read one more sentence, it says, Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Christ has paid the price for a very particular thing. Christ paid the price for what satisfies us. He paid the price for our sin that we might have life abundant. He has not paid the price for our sins so that we can continue sinning, now with less guilt than before. Jesus did not pay the price for our sins so we can stop feeling guilty about being a bad person. Jesus paid the price for our sins so we can become better people. He paid the price so we can eat something else, something that will give us life. I have a friend who lived in a major city, and as she would walk around, she would constantly, every day, see homeless people. Often they would be asking for money to buy food. And my friend was a very generous person, and she wanted to help, but she would worry, like many would, about how that person might spend their money. So, instead, she would invite them to step into a restaurant, one that she could see, and buy them whatever they wanted. A feast, courtesy of Panda Express. Once she made the offer to a man who was standing in front of a subway. He was there with his little girl and asking for food. She made her usual offer, and he declined. And again, he asked for cash. 
she explained that she has this policy that she would only buy people food and she didn't want to enable people's addictions. And at that point, he chewed her out, called her judgmental and a hypocrite. What right did she have to decide how someone else spent their money? He told her all he wanted was $10, and it wasn't her business what he spent it on. She walked away shaken, but without giving him anything. Now, there are many ways to help people. Giving money is a good way, too, but it wasn't her way. Her way was to pay for something particular, to pay for food. And this serves as a good image for this text in Isaiah because God paid the price for a very particular thing. God is paying for us to be filled with righteousness. He will pay for us to be filled with good food. Jesus will even give his life to make sure that we can be filled with the things that give us life. But God is not interested in paying for us to live a life of sin. He's interested in paying to get us out. Do you think it's an accident that when God started giving Isaiah the vision of a future, he gave him the image of bread and wine? Can you think of anywhere else that this same image will come back? Right here at this table, Jesus will offer his disciples his body and blood. He will call himself and his way of life the bread of life. Those who follow him, who live as he does, will be filled. The price for being filled has already been paid. Jesus has already paid it. Jesus will call his sacrifice on the cross the cup of salvation. What is this cost of salvation? The cost is more than we could have ever afforded, but it's already been paid. Jesus has already paid it. This moment, this sacrifice that Jesus performed 2,000 years ago, it is the ultimate. He stood up and everyone thought something would happen. You won't believe what happened next. What happened next is that Jesus paid the price for everyone forever. The price hasn't been paid for everything. The price has been paid so we can feast at God's table. If you choose to go feast somewhere else, that price still stands. That price is not God's to pay. But what Isaiah saw is a vision of this coming day. And he said, see, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Christianity has spread to every corner of the globe, not out of desperation or arrogance, not out of greed or pride. It has spread to every corner of the globe because people have been desperate to share this good news. What you're looking for is God. And the price for coming to God, it's paid. This is Christ's table that we gather at to feast on bread and wine. And it is a table surrounded by people who speak every language from English to Spanish, Swahili to Arabic. There are people living in jungles and cities and villages and deserts. Isaiah saw a vision that this good news would be so good, entire nations would believe it. And it was true. 
He saw that God was going to do something, something, and that it was going to change everything. Jesus paid the price, and you'll never believe what happened next. So you're driving through life. Things aren't going your way, or they are. Like you just feel like there's something more, like there's something beyond what you've got. Someone comes up to you and says, look, I've got this meal ticket. The price is more than you could possibly imagine, but it's already been paid. The only thing is, you don't get to choose the food. It's the bread of life and the cup of salvation, and you're invited You're invited to eat with all of us. Let us pray. Lord God, the words leave us when we think about how grateful we are for your Son who came for all of us. All we can say is thank you. Thank you for paying a price that we should have paid ourselves. Thank you for offering us life and life abundant for offering us your life that we might live. Lord, might we always remember that the feast that is worth feasting on is the one that we find at your table where we come to drink of the wine and eat of the bread. Fill us to the brim with your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.